This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hi everybody, welcome to the Age Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is David Furrow. This is my dad, Lynn Furrow, also the founder of Summit Life. Our mission at Summit Life Ministries is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see God's eternal purpose. Equip believers to live with an eternal perspective, but then also empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. Now today, Dad, it is Friday. It is the question and answer episode we can say yes and uh, guys we are in kind of a funny mood today so we've been making ourselves crack up and so you're gonna have to bear with us if we start getting goofy (laughs) we apologize in advance but we're just gonna keep it rolling otherwise we're never gonna get through it but we've got questions here for us today dad and the first question that we have is a is in a couple parts it looks like it's in three parts actually and so I'm just going to read it to you, and we'll okay. go from there, okay? We'll do them one by one. Sounds good. But it says, I was reading a chapter in the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis about faith. So my Great qu- book, it is by a the great, way. It is a great book. But her question is, is growing in maturity growing in childlike faith? And it says, Lewis says, faith and reason go hand in hand. So would it be childlike faith with a mature reason? And what are other aspects of maturity in Christ? And then the last part, she says, in part five of Breaking the Addiction to Time, you said maturity is following God where he may go. Yes. So restate the first one again for me. Sure. Because I want to make sure that I get the total question that they were asking first. Sure. So she mentions um, faith, you know, in the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, but it says growing in maturity or is growing in maturity growing in childlike faith? And absolutely, without any question, I do believe that Christian maturity uh, is defined, maybe, maybe not in its totality, mm-hmm. but a in a large uh, regard, yes. We could just say wholeheartedly, yes. Uh, I have many times used the example that in the natural, we define Uh, maturity unto adulthood, 1 to 21. Sure. But actually, uh, in spiritual maturity, we reverse that. We are to go from what we rely on as far as our intellect, our common sense, our human understanding and wisdom, and we want to revert, reverse that to where we become more and more childlike. And so... That means that there is a willingness to receive the command of God and without analyzing, questioning, without having to know all of the reasons behind God's command. Because in that text where Jesus said, you must become like a little child, to me, one of the greatest uh, examples or illustration in in what a, what childlikeness is like. The children are under governors. They're under leadership. They they're they're parented. Uh, they have teachers that assign are assigned over them in schooling. They have coaches that are coaching them. Yeah. So in childhood, they're constantly under things that govern them, and so we teach them to receive. The, the point is to, if, if authority speaks to you, 
that you're not to talk back. You're not to, you know, say why. You are to simply understand that you have to trust Mm -hmm. your parents. You have to trust leadership. And I understand that many people have experienced imperfect authority. And so uh, they do question. But I believe what, what Jesus was trying to get to, it's not a naivety. It's just a willingness to receive instruction, to come under governance, and without knowing the whole story or the whole explanation or without knowing uh, all of the plan, that when we're given a part of the plan or we're given an aspect to obey, we have a willingness to obey. Now, she went on to ask a question and saying, you know, how does faith and reason interact? And I would agree with C.S. Lewis and say faith and reason do have a partnership, but only if the uh, part of our mind that does the reasoning uh, Mm -hmm. in us has been renewed. Because the Bible says that our mind, unrenewed, is hostile and has enmity against God's ways. So, If my mind is unrenewed, if God speaks to me something that I don't understand, I'll argue with God. I will resist God. I'll say, uh, that can't be God. And so uh, Paul in Romans tells us, in Romans chapter 12, I believe, he said, present your body, present yourself a living sacrifice to God. And that's my point. Childlikeness is about yielding your will to do the will of another. Present your body as a living sacrifice. God's not requiring your death, but he is wanting your will to be submitted to his will. Mm -hmm. And then he said, be not conformed to the world or the thinking, the pattern of thinking, the paradigms of thinking of this world, but allow your mind to be transformed by God's renewal truth. And it says, you'll be able to recognize and know the the will of God, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I don't think that he's talking about echelons or levels of the will of God. I believe he's describing what the will of God is. The will of God is good. The will of God is pleasing, acceptable, and it's also perfect. Um, And I also could state that I believe that faith truly begins where the will of God is made known. Faith is not a blind faith. It's an informed faith based upon the revelation of truth. And when God reveals to us his word and his will, it enlightens our understanding. This goes back to one of our episodes where I said an earmark of maturity was Mary showing that she said, let it be done unto me according to your word. But she also asked the question for further understanding, how can this miracle of me not being in a normal human relationship, how can I conceive when I'm not even married? And the holy, uh, the angel said, he gave her further explanation. So that informed her faith in that moment because she wanted to trust. She wanted to believe. She was willing But when she said how, she was asking for further understanding and knowledge. The angel gave it to her, and then 
her faith was released. Let it be done unto me according to your uh, uh, word. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to get total understanding of everything because I joke many times uh, saying God keeps us on a need-to-know basis. We only know in part and we only see in part many times because if God showed us everything ahead of time, it would be so mind-blowing, grid-blowing because a God-sized vision, a God-sized life is always bigger than you what you can comprehend. So the Lord has to lead us. He grows our faith. He's the author and the developer of our faith. So faith and reason do go together, but it's a reason that has been uh, informed by renewal truths that have reshaped the way we think to where we, by the Holy Spirit, can comprehend the deep things of God. But if I've not... Uh, allowed the Holy Spirit to take the truth of God and, and renew my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reject anything that God says. Uh, when he says, come and follow me, take up your cross daily. Yeah. And uh, if anybody comes after me, he must lose his life. He must give up the rights to his life. My carnal nature wants to immediately say, no way. Because um, instinctually, I want to protect and preserve who I am and my rights. I don't want anything to be taken away because the world operates, again, what we've talked about, a spirit of bondage again to fear, the fear of loss being the primary fear. So we don't want to give anything up. We don't want to let go and let God. We want to say, God, you fit into my plan. And that's not, he said, come after me. Yeah. But to follow me in my footsteps, you're going to have to understand it's a letting go of who you are and what you have and what you've known. Yeah. Now, just going off of that, you know, everybody wants to hear what are practical things. So from what I was listening, you know, what I took is, you know, being obedient and then also getting in the word and renewing your mind with the word. Besides those two things, are there any other practical things that Christians can do on a daily basis to have more childlike faith so we can go from 21 to one? Yeah, I think, David, that is one of the... I greatest conflicts that people have because we know the the concept of these things mm-hmm. but you know if i use a military ter- terminology this is where the metal hits the meat <laughs> or the another adage where the rubber meets the road yeah faith comes by hearing and again it's not just hearing it once but rehearing hearing it again and Faith then is imparted to us because we are hearing God's will and plan for us. We we see his goodness, his love. We get empowered by his grace. And so there is a release of the faith of God into us. There is the spirit of faith, the Holy Spirit, yeah. who is wanting to facilitate and, and re-scape the landscape of our heart to where we don't have a hardened heart, a heart of unbelief and doubt, uh, a heart of fear. And so the word goes in and reshapes and rescapes the landscape, spiritual landscape of our heart. But true faith is not developed and built and grown. And and to, so if I said, I, I, Lord, I want a great faith, it's not just going to be by me hearing it. Yeah. It's going to be by me 
obeying the word. Yeah. And we go from faith to faith by translating the faith that he's imparting to us through the word and by the spirit into actual tangible things that God is inviting us into partnership with him. And that is turning our faith into obedience. And that's why one of our mission statements is that we want to empower, encourage uh, believers to live a Christian life that is supernatural, beyond themselves, yeah. going beyond you know, what is practical, going beyond what is commonsensical, uh, within the margins of my comfort zone, but to really live a supernatural life, not just reading about people that lived by faith yeah. and God used them in powerful ways and you're inspired by their life, but you end up living a life that can bring uh, impartation and inspiration to others by your faith-filled obedience. Okay. Now, this next question, you know, we've been talking a lot about seasons in different ages. So this question says, with there being seasons and everything, what is the current season that the church is going through currently? And what has God shown you about the next season to come? Mm-hmm. I love these just very easy questions (laughs) that I can answer in in like two minutes. But I do have some very concrete things that I want to say. Sure. Um, The Lord has the church right now in a season where the Lord has brought his people out, but yet we're yet to go into where the Lord is taking the church. Sure. Some levels. There have been forerunners. There have been pioneers. It's kind of like the children of Israel, you know, pre the book of Joshua, where they yeah. sent spies in the land. And, and we've had people come back from where God is wanting to take the church into places of inheritance, places of promise. Mm-hmm. But maybe those promises have been seen at some level in certain individuals within the church. But what God wants to do is a corporate fulfillment. He doesn't want it to be, well, this person was a great person of faith and they were able to actualize in some ways their faith turned to sight in profound ways. And they, again, inspire us. And we go, wow, I would love a life in God like that. Do you, and not to put you on the spot, but do you have specific examples of who you would say are forerunners in this time? I would not want to <laughs> say that right now. That's fine. Um, because one of the things the Lord is wanting to move the vision of the church away from mm-hmm. is individuals. Sure, yeah. To where we're not vicariously living, through living a great life of faith through them. Yeah. So the only person that I want to boldly say is the forerunner that is fulfilled and seen every promise fulfilled yeah. and has entered into the place that God wants to take us is our forerunner, Christ Jesus. And, yeah. and the admonition is to... Keep our eyes on him. Look unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Because uh, every other person in church history that's come after Christ Mm 
mm-hmm. has not measured up to the fullness <laughs> of him, obviously. Yeah. And so, but, uh, you know, in our generation, there there have been individuals and, and in previous generations that have inspired us and that, like Paul said, imitate me as I am an imitator of Christ. Yeah. And so we we can learn from their example and we can receive impartation through their message and their ministry. And that should be an encouragement to us. But I, I really wouldn't want to go there less I know what immature people do. Yeah. They get their eyes on men. Yeah. And we are, uh, you know, I, I've also said this. Even the best human is yeah. human at best. Yeah. So then when they don't meet uh, a perfect expectation of what you imagine they were, yeah. then you are disillusioned. And we cannot become disillusioned unless we've had an illusion to begin mm-hmm. with. And so God is going to try to mature and wean his people off of faulty expectations even expectations that we put upon God that that God may speak a promise mm-hmm. and speak something prophetically to his church but it's amazing how many times I interpret and apply what I think that he said and the the children of Israel the religious establishment of Jesus's day you can see that uh it wasn't that Jesus didn't perform for them he said Hey, if the signs and wonders would have been done uh, to Sodom and Gomorrah and to Tyre and Sidon that's been done in your midst, they would have repented long ago. But it was because how they had interpreted their expectations, the scriptures that set certain expectations on how they thought Messiah would be. So you look at some of the Messianic passages and you go, Check, 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 check. Jesus met every measurement of the messianic standard. But what he didn't meet is their interpretation and applications. Therefore, their expectations were uh, were disappointed. Now, going back to the season, I think that God has been trying to bring the church in a time of separation from the world. Um, You know, it's kind of like a Moses ministry. We've had very powerful ministries that have emphasized the Lord bringing us out, bringing us out, you know. And so the emphasis is on healing, deliverance, salvation. But I think what God is going to do in the next coming season is the ministry is going to be upon a people that are prepared and ready for the Lord that are going to enter. So we're shifting from like a Joshua to a, or a Moses to a Joshua, Joshua type leadership. Um, it's interesting to see how there, Elijah was trying to, to move the nation of Israel away from their idolatry. But it was really Elisha that fulfilled everything that Elijah wanted to see. He wanted to see uh, the overthrow of Jezebel. He wanted to see the end of Ahab's reign. He wanted to, you know, see the nation return back to a place of holiness and righteousness before God. 
And so it's interesting, in, on Mount Carmel, Elijah uh, thought that after the people returned to the Lord in repentance, that they would go down there, grab a hold of Jezebel, and and yeah. overthrow her. But he was disillusioned because of these expectations. Yep. And so then God had to encounter him on this mountaintop. And he shook it, sent fire, whirlwinds, and he said, I'm in, in, in Am I performing for you, Elijah? <laughs> and he said, no, you're not in any of these things. Then God spoke to him in a still, small voice. Yeah. And now he said, now get up and get out of here. I want you to go anoint the new king of Syria, which, listen, that man ended up getting engaged in a battle with Ahab, and Ahab was wounded in his chariot, and he ended up dying. Yeah. So he may have wanted to see Ahab overthrown through his ministry, but it was someone that he anointed, ended up slaying and and killing Ahab. He said, anoint Jehu king. It was Jehu that ended up uh, overthrowing Jezebel. And then the final one was he said, I want you to go anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place. So, we're in a transition from Moses to Joshua, Elijah to Elisha. Yeah. And uh, uh, and I, I think that in the church, you know, it's, it's John the Baptist that prepares the way before the Lord. But there is going to be a corporate body that matures in a fullness of stature of Christ before the Lord returns. It will provoke the Lord's return, hasten the day of yeah. the Lord, which is the foundation of what we've been teaching. But that's going to be a Jesus ministry. Jesus said, greater works, John uh, 14, 12, greater works will you do. Mm-hmm. And people want to say that that's talking about uh, the quantity of the works because of worldwide evangelism. I believe there's an application there. But I think that we're going to see unparalleled, unprecedented power displays through the church that's going to rock the world and it's going to trigger an end-time harvest that's going to be uh, multiple millions of people being swept into the kingdom in a very uh, short period of time. Awesome. Bring it, Lord. Yeah, bring it. So we're in this transitional season And it's disorienting for the people of God because in Joshua's day, when there was this shift from the the Moses maintenance ministry to now they were going to go in and they were going to be a people of of inheritance, fulfilling unfulfilled promises. There was this moment in the leadership transition where God spoke to Joshua. He said, tell the people to prepare Get provision for several days because you're going to be in transit. And he said, for the Lord will do signs and wonders among you. Right now, God is is getting his people positioned, prepared. Hopefully, you're preparing. Hopefully, we are the wise virgins that, that want to say, God, we want to go with you where you're taking the church. And we need whatever adequate provision that we're going to need to make the transition. 
And uh, so it's, it's a great day of transition and preparation, but it's not uh, a, a destination to nowhere. Yeah. Know where God is taking the church. If we will go through this birthing process with its birth pangs, it's going to be a powerful time yeah. uh, for the church. That's, that's great. The next question, it says, what do you think is the true reason people are not desiring to come into alignment with the Holy Spirit? Hmm. Um, I want to go back to this thing of maturity because mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's central to this discussion. There are times uh, where with, you know, and you're my oldest son, and yep. then I have children that go all the way down to my, our, our baby girl is nine years old, will be 10 in just a, a few weeks. But there have been moments in each of my children's life where I have an intent, a good intent towards my children. Sure. And they do not recognize what I am trying to do <laughs> for them. And so they're reluctant to do what I'm asking them to do or to trust me in knowing that I'm setting them up for blessing. Yeah. And so until you mature in your relationship with uh, someone, then you know that they have a goodness that is going to be manifested towards me. Yeah. I just think that it shows that we're pretty immature. We really, the very God that we say we love, we don't trust. Yeah. And so it hinders us in letting go of what we've known to really allow God to take us where he wants to go, uh, to take us. In Hebrews chapter five, he said, by this time you should be teachers, but in many ways we're gonna have to go back and relay the elementary principles of the teaching, the foundation of Christ back in you. So many people of God right now are relearning what they've already been taught because they were not willing to progress. And you either, Jesus said, what you've been given, if you receive it, will be measured back to you again. In other words, I'll continue to increase what I'm giving to you. But he said, if you don't use it, you will lose it. So many people are finding themselves in these deep periods of, of now intense preparation because it's the intent of the Lord to say, you should already be further along than you are. Yeah. But you've actually regressed. By, by this time, the expectation is that you would be teachers. But we're having to go back again and reteach sure. you all over again. Sure. Well, guys, that's all the time we have for uh, the questions today. Those were great questions. Um, they were, and we and we dove up a little deeper into some of them, which that's my fault, <laughs> but no. it was good. Guys, we appreciate you being with us today. If you'd like to know more about Summit Life Ministries, feel free to look us up at summitlifeministries.com. If you want to just get all things Summit Life, all things my dad, <laughs> you know, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube. If you have questions that, you know, even from today's episode, if we made you, you know, interrupted your train of thought uh, today, 
Um, make sure you leave us some comments or questions. But guys, we appreciate all the love that you've been giving us and uh, appreciate you being with us today. Thank you guys and God bless. Bless you. Bye-bye. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.